let me say again uh, what a joy it is to uh, be with you all uh, and what a joy it is to look at this chapter and um, let me just say up front, there's, there's so much about this chapter we won't be able to, to, to get into, but hopefully we'll, we'll get the, the heart of it. Um, and so if you don't mind, I know we just prayed, but um, if you don't mind, let's pray uh, again. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the new birth. Lord, my prayer is that this is not something we will speak about so much this morning, as much as it will be something that we will experience. Um, Lord, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us as we meet now. Um, we pray, Lord, that we would taste the realities that we are seeing and reading in your word. Um, be with us by your power. Help us. Strengthen me. Help me to be clear. But above that, Lord, open hearts. Uh, save people. Bring people into your kingdom. This morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so I remember growing up... Um, I grew up in the church, and I remember growing up when uh, Christians, if you met a Christian, and they wanted to tell you that they were a Christian, but like a, like a really, really, like they were serious Christian. You know, loads of people say they're Christians, but they wanted to say that they were like actually serious about the Christian life. What they would say is, I'm a born-again Christian, right? I don't know if anyone else heard that, but I remember hearing that all the time. Like, I'm not just a Christian, I'm a, I'm a born-again Christian, Right? And I think people said that in one sense because it highlights the fact that this language about being born again or the new birth, it's central to what the Christian life is about. In fact, as we go through this passage, what we're going to see is that you can't be a Christian at all if you're not born again, right? If you don't have the new birth. It's at the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. And there's lots of different ways that this passage talks about the new birth, right? Sometimes Jesus says born again, sometimes, or you could translate it born from above, born of the spirit, born of the water and the spirit. And these are all different ways of speaking about the same thing, which we're going to spend all our time talking about, the new birth, right? And what we're going to see is three things. We're going to see three things about the new birth that are absolutely essential if we want to follow Jesus. And the first thing I want us to see is the necessity of the new birth. We must be born again. Everything else we're going to say flows from this first point. We must be born again. Look with me from verse 1 again. Verse 1 says this. There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. It is necessary that we are born again. And yet to understand that, we have to understand something about the, the context here. Right? Jesus had been going around doing amazing things. Uh, I, I got to watch a sermon last week. Paddy was preaching. Jesus performed miracles. Right? He turned water into wine at a wedding. He was growing in popularity. And, and the word about Jesus came to a guy called Nicodemus. Nicodemus 
John 3 tells us, is a Pharisee, which is like the strictest religious group at the time. There, there were all kinds of religious groups in Israel at the time, but the most serious of them were the Pharisees, right? They were super devoted. Right? These were the guys that grew up going to Adventurers and Fusion and JF and YPF. They, they did the whole thing, the whole trek. They, every Sunday morning and evening service, all the midweek services as well. They, they did their quiet times every morning. They prayed multiple times a day. They knew all the Bible quotes. You know those guys that could just quote the Bible? That was them. They did the Bible in a year. Every year since they could read, they had finished the Bible in a year, ahead of schedule even, right? And in addition to all of that, they were known for always doing the right thing. They always did the right thing. They did everything they could to do what God had said. And Nicodemus, he's not just a Pharisee, he's a, a leader of the Pharisees. So he's a really serious guy, serious, religious, and moral man. And he had heard about Jesus. And so he comes to see Jesus, and he likes Jesus, and he comes and he evaluates Jesus. He comes to give Jesus a review. And it's a great review. He, he said, Jesus, look, I know that you are a teacher from God. Fantastic, right? Jesus gets an A-star rating from one of the leaders of the most serious, significant religious groups. And when you hear that, when you see that, what you expect is that Jesus will be excited about that. He'll be very thankful about that. He's just received an approval from the most serious guy, you know, the most serious religious man at the time, Nicodemus. But I'm not sure if you notice how Jesus responds. Verse 3 again, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Again in verse 5, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. This is such a weird response, right? Like, like where's the thank you, right? You, you know, sometimes you review a place uh, and you give them a five star and the person comes and says, thank you so much for your review. Like, that's what you're expecting. You expect Jesus to say thank you. But Jesus doesn't. He says, unless you're born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. Why does Jesus respond that way? I think it's because Nicodemus thinks, given his position, given his life, he thinks he's in a position to evaluate Jesus. Right? Nicodemus is the guy who has the credentials to evaluate Jesus. He's an expert in everything to do with God and God's kingdom. He's the perfect person to make a judgment about Jesus. But Jesus says, actually, that's not the case. Right? Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, and essentially he says, you don't have the credentials. You are not qualified. You're not qualified to evaluate me. Right? You're not qualified to make judgments about me. You're an expert in the law. You seem to live this super moral life, but you are disqualified in terms of evaluating me. In fact, you're so disqualified that as things are, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In fact, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. And, and worse than that, right, what Jesus is saying is, is even more offensive than that. Because what Jesus says, in essence, is you are so unqualified that there's no amount of improvement that would make you qualified. There's nothing you could work on to make you qualified. The only way you could be part of God's kingdom is if literally you were born as a different person. Right? You were born with someone with a new heart. Many of us would have had an experience of, you know, going for a job interview, 
you know, you go for a job interview, you do your best, unfortunately, you don't get the job, right? That happens. And, you know, what do you do? Sometimes you think, you know what, let me message them and get some feedback, right? So you, so you email them and you're like, you know, what could I have done differently? Most of the time they don't even reply, right? But sometimes they reply. And so, and so when they reply, they might tell you, look, uh, your interview technique wasn't, you know, you could work on that or... Maybe you don't have enough degrees, or, or maybe you don't have enough experience, and, or maybe there was a test you did, and if you did better at the test, maybe we would have taken you, right? So even though you're not qualified for this role, there are things you could go away and do to improve and come back. Jesus tells Nicodemus, you are so unqualified that you would need to be born as a different person in order to enter into the kingdom of God. The gap between you and the kingdom of God is so great that no matter what you do, you cannot enter in. You can't even see it. You would literally need to be a different person to enter into the kingdom of God. And that sounds harsh. In fact, that is harsh. Right? But as you guys have been seeing, Jesus isn't always tame. He's not tame. Sometimes Jesus offends people. And Jesus is stressing this, the necessity of the new birth, because Jesus wants us to see... Every single one of us here, Jesus wants us to understand how serious the problem of our sin is. It's easy for us to think that Christianity exists so that we can learn to do a bit better so that God would accept us. Maybe you've come in this morning, you've come to church because you realize that you're not living the perfect life. And you know what? Generally, you're, you're a good person, you think, but there's a few things you need to change, right? You... You, you speak, every time you're in the car, you know you're speeding, and that, you know, 20 miles everywhere is not helping. And you're like, yeah, I, could, I need to work on that, you know, and I know I could be a bit more patient with the kids. And, you know, you want to change, and maybe if I come to church, I can get some tips to learn how to change so that God will be happy with me, so that God will accept me. If that's you this morning, you don't understand how serious the problem of sin is. Because Nicodemus, this upstanding religious leader who seems to live a perfect life, even he is so sinful that there is no way that he can be a part of God's kingdom. And there's no change or improvement that he can make to to change that. He needs to be born again. He needs an entirely new heart. Okay, let me maybe put it a different way, right? Some of us drive, right? I've spoken about driving already. Um... And if you've, if you've been driving for a long time, it might be that you've had the you know, awful experience of getting into a car accident. And it's awful. And sometimes you get into an accident, and you know, obviously you have to speak to insurance. And sometimes like the damage isn't that bad. Right? So sometimes they're like, okay, you need to replace the side mirror. Or sometimes, you know, perhaps like there's a paint of coat that needs uh, a coat of paint that needs to be put on. Uh, sometimes, though, it's more serious, right? Sometimes there's like a big dent that they need to do some body work on. Sometimes maybe a door might need to be fixed, and it's really, you know, it's expensive, it's inconvenient, but there's a way that the car can be fixed. And yet, sometimes the accident is so significant that you get the email, you get the call, and what they tell you is, this car is a write-off. There is no way this car can be fixed. There's no improvement you could make to this car to make this car drivable. If you want to drive, you need a new car, right? 
Jesus tells Nicodemus, this religious Jew, that his life as it is, is a write-off. He needs to be born as someone new. And we, we need to hear this, right? We all need to hear this. You might be sitting down thinking, you know, my life's pretty fantastic. I'm successful in so many areas. You might be particularly intelligent. You might be great with people. I have a great family life. You might have lots of money. You might be very moral. Like, you see other people get into trouble with the law and all kinds of stuff, but that's never been you. You've never gotten into any kind of big scandal. Everyone generally has liked you. Maybe you're even someone who started to read the Bible more and pray more. Uh, You don't swear as much as you used to. You stopped watching that stuff on TV that you know you shouldn't be watching. And look, that's all great, but in our sin, with all of those things, our lives are a write-off. We cannot even see the kingdom of God. And no amount of improvement will change that. You can't change the side mirror. You can't change the door. You need a new car. You need a new life, right? Later on in this passage, right, Jesus says that by nature, we hate the light. We love the darkness. Because of our sin, we we love darkness. So God sent his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light. But guess what? We're born in such a way, because of our sin, that we love darkness. We are darkness-loving, light-hating people. Every single one of us are born that way because of our sin. And we cannot follow Jesus unless we are born again. Unless we are born anew. So you, you can call yourself a Christian without being born again. You can come to church without being born again. You might make it into membership without being born again. You might serve every Sunday without being born again. But you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot have genuine life with God unless you are born again. We must be born again. The new birth is necessary. That's what Jesus says. That's what Jesus stresses. And yet what makes that such difficult news to hear is that although the new birth is necessary, the new birth is also impossible. So look with me from verse 4. Verse 4 says this. How can someone be born? This is Nicodemus. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's room to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God Unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. We must be born again. But here's the thing, and Nicodemus gets this. It's impossible. It's not possible. We must be born again to see the kingdom of God, but it's actually impossible. Nicodemus says, how can a person be born again when they are old? Can you go back into your mother's womb and be born again? Of course not. It's impossible. You can change, right? We can change. We can change things. It's, it's January. We're still in January, right? We've got those New Year's resolutions. You, you can do some of that. You know, you can exercise a bit more. You can eat a bit less food. You can go to the gym. You can change. You can do those things. You could read more books if that was your New Year's resolution. You can do that. But you know what you cannot do? You can't give yourself new birth. You can't. It's impossible. Jesus said being born again or being born from the Spirit, it's like the wind. You can see the effect of it, but you can't control it. You can't create it, Right? You cannot do that. 
Okay, hands up. Hands up here in this room for anyone here who chose to be born. Anyone here just think, you know what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to be born. Anyone here? Just me? I'm the only one that chose to be born? No, I didn't choose to be born. No one chose to be born. Right? It's not something you can do. And yet Jesus says you must do it. You must be born again, but we cannot do it. Right? And I think, again, in church life, sometimes we forget that, the, how impossible the new birth is. Right? Look, if Christianity is a philosophy, you can learn the philosophy. You can just teach people the ideas of it and so on and so forth. And if people understand it and they can repeat it, then sure, then they can have life with God. If Christianity is really about morality, you just teach people to do certain things and they start doing those things, and sure, we, we can do that, right? If Christianity is just about even knowing the, the truth of the faith, then all you need to do, you know, send someone on a Christianity Explored course, go through the course, finish the weeks, sure, right? They're a Christian. If Christianity is just about a decision you make, then all you have to do is come down the aisle and repeat words after the person or, or say a certain prayer, and then sure, you're a Christian. But life with God is not fundamentally any of those things. Life with God is the new birth, and therefore, it's a miracle. Being born again is a miracle, and only God can do that, right? Uh, we saw this the first week in your series, right? John chapter 1. John says that God, through Jesus Christ, he gives people the right to be children of God, children not born of the will of man, but born of the will of God. It's impossible, which is why only God can do it. To be born of the Spirit, the Spirit has to work. The Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. That's what Jesus says, right? God has to be the one who works. And so this impossibility, the impossibility of the new birth, that means at least two things for us. Firstly, it means that if, as a church, and I know you, you have a heart for the lost, if you want to see people come to faith, we must pray. We must pray. We must pray because we cannot make people be born again. We can't do that. I can't do that. I could preach from now till forever. I, I can't do that. Pastor Mike can't do that, right? None of us can do that. If what it means to be a Christian is to be born again, then we must pray because God alone can do that. So yes, we, we need to evangelize, right? We need to invite neighbors to our house. We need to invite friends, you know, we need to speak to people at school, right? We need to be great witnesses in our family. But unless a person is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. And only God can do that, right? Only the Spirit can bring about new life. Uh, one of the things I love about your church, I love about Chesenting, is, is just the heart you guys have to see people come to faith, right? That's the point of this whole series. Come and see, Right? It's the heart that you have to see people come to know Jesus Christ. And since that is the case, more than anything else, you should be a church about prayer. Because God alone gives the new birth. God alone grants the new birth. Pray because being born again is impossible, and only God can do the impossible. In fact, he loves to do the impossible when we ask him, pray. So, so, so firstly, the, the, the fact that this new birth is impossible, it means we should pray. But also, secondly, it means we should praise. What this means is that every single one of us here who is born again, if you're born again, you're a miracle. 
If, you're, if you genuinely have life with God, you're a miracle. Because the only reason you could be born again is because God has done a miracle. And God has done the impossible and given you new birth. And as Christians, we forget that, right? Some of us have been Christians for a long time. Over time, we forget that. We start to think it was only natural that we would be Christians. It was only natural that we would have life with God. But Jesus reminds us that none of us can give ourselves the new birth. You can take as much credit for your new birth as you could take for your first birth, which is none at all. You didn't choose it. You you didn't bring it about. God did it, right? It was God. It's not because you were smarter than anyone else. It wasn't because, you know, other people were really bad and you were always fairly good, right? It's not because Christianity suits you in some way. It's not even, some of us, we grew up in Christian homes, and I thank God for the privilege of a Christian home. It's not even just because you grew up in a Christian home. It's not even just because you grew up in Sunday school, right? Those things are wonderful things, but those things in and of themselves cannot create the new birth, right? If you are living today in God's kingdom, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have been born of the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, if you are a child of God this morning, praise God because God did that. Because it was impossible for anyone else to do that. God did that. He did the impossible. We get no credit. God gets all the credit. We are saved by the grace of God alone to the glory of God alone. The impossibility of the new birth means we should pray, but it also means we should praise. We should be full of praise. So firstly, Jesus says we must be born again. It's necessary. But secondly, we we cannot be born again. It's impossible unless God does it. But how does God do it? How does God do the impossible? How does God create the new birth? What are, what, in other words, what's the means of the new birth? What means does God use? The means is the preaching of Christ crucified. Look at me from verse 13. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Jesus is speaking about the new birth, as to get Nicodemus to understand, he goes back into the Old Testament, into this narrative in the book of Numbers that was yeah, so helpfully read. And it's a time where Israel, God's people, were in the wilderness. And they sinned against God, they rebelled against God. And the judgment that God gave was these snakes. And these snakes were poisonous. And so what was happening was these snakes were biting people, and people were dying as judgment for their sin. And they cried out to God, and God in his mercy decided to save them. But he decides to save them in the weirdest way. Moses makes this bronze serpent, and he he lifts up this bronze serpent. And as the people are there, they're being bit by these poisonous snakes. And yet God tells them that as they're bit by these snakes, and they're facing death for their sin, if they would just look towards the bronze serpent, they would have life. God would give them life, right? 
And it's so bizarre, right? God didn't tell them that they need to change their behavior or even memorize a few Bible verses. All they had to do was to look. That's all they had to do. Look, look, look towards this serpent. And as they did that, God gave them life. And Jesus goes back to that story because what God did for Israel in the wilderness, God did as a picture of what God would do through his son, Jesus Christ. And look, this is what Christianity is all about. This is what it's all about. This is what Christians shout about. This is what we sing about. This is what we get excited about. It's found in that great verse, right? The most famous verse in all the Bible. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So just as Moses lifted up that serpent and people looked to that statue, that that bronze serpent, and God gave them life, so it is that those who look to Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for our sins, God gives new life through that. Our lives are write-offs, right? All of us, naturally, we are so sinful that we're write-offs. But the good news of the gospel is that God loves write-offs. He, he loves people who are so marred by sin that actually there's no way we could come to God. But God loves us in our sin. God loves us. He so loves us that he sends his son to die for write-offs, for people that have no hope whatsoever. And this son, Jesus Christ, he came and he died. And yeah, we're write-offs. We're sinners. We deserve judgment. God sent his son, Jesus. Jesus took that judgment on the cross. So that when we look to Jesus, not because of any work we do, not because of anything we do, but as we look to Jesus in faith, as we trust Jesus, God gives new life. The new birth is impossible. How does it happen? It happens when we preach the cross of Jesus Christ. When we tell people about Jesus, and when we tell people about the cross, and when we ask people to put their faith in Jesus, God does the miraculous work in their hearts of giving them new life, giving them new birth, so that they do trust in Jesus. How do we do this? We tell them about God's love, and we tell them about Christ's cross, and we tell them about how he died in our place. And as we do that, we trust that God will do what he alone can do and give new birth, right? And the first sign of that new birth is that people trust Jesus. They believe Jesus. They look to Jesus. We, what we do is we present Jesus. We present the light. And ordinarily, Jesus says, no one comes to the light because we are darkness-loving, light-hating people by nature because of our sin. But we present the light. And as we present the light, God does a miraculous work. He gives us new birth such that we who hated the light, all of a sudden we love the light and we come to the light. How does the new birth happen? It happens as we preach Jesus. And so, church, Chesington, here's my charge to you. Don't stop preaching Jesus Christ. Don't stop telling people about Jesus and the cross because that is the way that God gives the new birth. One of the most amazing things about your church is how active you guys are, right? You guys are so active in your community. You're such a wonderful example of what it looks like to be in your community and, and all the programs you have, all the groups you have. And at the center of all of that activity, keep one thing central. Don't stop telling people about Jesus and the cross because that's how God gives the new birth. That's how God does the impossible. God doesn't do that simply when we just serve people. 
that we should serve people. God doesn't do that simply because we engage in the lives of our neighbors, that we need to do that. God doesn't do that when we tell people just how great our church is. But yeah, you know, tell people how great your church is. Do all those things, but don't forget the central thing. Tell people about Jesus and the cross. Because as we do that, God does what we cannot do. God gives the new birth. Never stop doing that. Never stop Never get tired of telling the old story of Jesus and his love. Never get tired of telling about Jesus and the cross. Tell people about Jesus. Because as you tell people about Jesus, God brings about the new birth. And if you're here this morning and you're one of those people you've, just, you've come to see, you're not trusting in Jesus Christ yet, I cannot do better than to tell you John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. You can have life with God, not because you're good enough, not because you're almost there. Actually, you're not. No matter how good you, no matter how good you are, your life is a write-off when you compare it to the goodness of God and what you would need to be in God's kingdom. But God loves write-offs. God so loves write-offs that he sent his son to die for you so that you might have life in his son. You must be born again. You, you cannot be born again. You can't do that yourself. But don't sit there waiting to feel a particular way. Look to Jesus. Trust Jesus. And as you look to Jesus, you will find that God will do what he alone can do. God will give the new birth. Look to Jesus because God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. Church, let this be our ringing cry. I was speaking to Trevor just a second ago. I didn't realize John 3.16 is, is just right there outside. Right? Let that be our ringing cry. Right? The words of John 3.16, and if you don't mind, in fact, let's say it together. I think the words will be up on the screen. We'll say it together as we close. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you so love this world, this world that rejects you, this world that hates you, this world that is in utter despair, this world that could never find its way to you. Nevertheless, you so loved this world that you gave your only son. Lord, for all of eternity, we will sing this, and we will never get tired of singing this, that you so loved us that you sent your son to die for us. And Lord, no matter how long I preach, I could never capture that. But Lord, would you do a work by your spirit? Would you open eyes, would you open hearts, that even for the first time, people would see your son, Jesus Christ. They would stop trying to make their way to you by themselves, and they would trust in what your son has done for them. And for those of us here who have the new birth, would you fill us with praise that though we were hopeless apart from you, you did the impossible, and you saved us through your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.